You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Amen. Y'all can sit down. Well, as what has been mentioned, my name is David Dyer, and my wife, Maddie, and our daughter, Carlina. And one, I just want to kind of start off by saying thank you. Um, if you don't know, as I, I'm sure some of y'all do some, as we've even kind of talked around a few this morning, um, it, it's sweet to be in a church like this that, for us, we're moving overseas. We're in the process right now of moving to South Asia, and in that, we move in January. We took a small trip in September and October, and one of the things we were able to thankfully connect with is homes and connect with y'all to see uh, the gifts that y'all give on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis or whatever, that goes to help support us. And so one, I just say thank you, because I'm a direct recipient of that. And in that, it's, it's an amazing opportunity, honestly, even for us to kind of see, because now we get to take the things of which y'all give faithfully to us to now entrust and say, okay, hey, it's our job and opportunity to go share the gospel to these people who have no idea who Jesus is. We're in a particular country, I can't, I don't want to say online, since this is live stream, but if you want to talk, please, I would love to talk. We would love to just share what the two months did for us and how we got things in place and how we're ready in January please would love that. But basically, we're in a country that's unreached people group, which means that there's, if someone for any reason whatsoever comes across the name of Jesus, which is unlikely, but if they come across the name of Jesus and want to know more about it, they will more likely die than meet a Christian because there are so few of them. And so that's why it's so heavy on our heart to share the name of Jesus in a country that does not know him. What's interesting enough, though, for us is because of the color of our skin, because we're from America, they immediately recognize and understand us as Christians. So it gives us a wonderful opportunity to say, hey, here's the true meaning of what following Jesus looks like, which is a big responsibility. And I wanted to kind of open up a little bit just to kind of, one, give preference to who we are, but also just give an idea of how well do we do that on our day-to-day basis even now? How, do we, how well do we do that in the States? How well do we do that in our day-to-day work? So as I reached out and said, hey, we'll be back in town. would love to come and visit. Love to build this relationship, get to know and meet more of y'all. Um, Pastor Brian, Pastor Walter was like, yeah, we're going through Advent. You want to jump in and preach? And I'm like, I'd love that. And so, as y'all know, last week, the idea of Advent is this whole purpose of Jesus' coming. Even Pastor Walter said at the start, it's like the whole idea that the Christian world, which wasn't even in existence in the time of Jesus' birth, the Jewish world was searching for a Messiah, getting ready to try to find their Savior, which they've long awaited for. And at this point now, Jesus comes, Luke chapter 1 and the start of chapter 2, right? Last week, you talked about the idea of hope. That's the first little portion of the idea of Advent. It's hope. The second week is peace. The third covers joy, and the last week covers love, right? And so take a step back for me and try to understand what do these words mean. You see, in Advent, we, we, the purpose of celebrating it is a reminder for us. 
We go throughout our Christian life, we go throughout our Christian year in constant reminder. Whenever I'm counseling, I used to work at a university, whenever I'm counseling with students, I'm trying to remind them biblical truths because the thing is, they have been taught them. If y'all have grown up and been in the church for any length of time, you'll hear a similar concept over and over and over again because the reason is we're, we're trying to remind ourselves what is God's word say. That's why we read the same passages. That's why we cover the same topics throughout the years. Now, God's word is so vast and so, I mean, it's alive. That's what it is. We, we learn new things each and every time. But it's constant reminders. So as we look at the, the, the idea of Advent, it's this whole idea of coming, the coming of Jesus, the coming or the arrival of the Savior. And in this time, it's the first coming, but now we live in the second. Jesus has come, but now we're looking to him again. And so as we're thinking about that, I want to kind of paint a little picture, one that Looking across the room, I would assume many of us would know, though not all I understand, but many of us would get the idea and concept of a baby, right? A newborn baby coming. What happens when you first hear, we're pregnant? What does your mind immediately go to? What, is your, what immediately happens? There's, what, a sense of joy. There's a sense of hope. There's a sense of preparation and putting things together. There's a sense of love that even though you do not get to see or even hold this child, you love them. And even in this sense, that's why I want to kind of take a part of what that looks like with this coming child. What do we do? We prepare for this coming child. We prepare for this little born baby to come into our world. So what do we do? We, we get the house ready. We, get, we, we baby proof for the different areas. I don't like standing on the stage. I'll be honest. I like being with y'all. But the reality is when you prepare for a newborn baby, you get the house ready. You buy a crib. You buy toys. You buy diapers. You have baby showers. You have people getting things ready for you. Physically, you prepare. Mentally, you prepare, right? Mentally, you're getting ready in the thought, if this is your first child, you're like, oh my gosh, what in the world am I going to do? <laughs> I felt that a year, almost two years ago. <laughs> I felt, I have a big responsibility. I have to take care of a little child. I have to teach them the ways in which they should grow, as scripture says, right? I have to prepare mentally as a father to say, yeah, I want to raise my daughter how to love Christ, how to worship him. What does that look like? Mentally, we get ready for the fact that, yeah, it means long nights. It means crying. It means frustration. Mentally, we prepare. And even for a baby, sometimes we try to prepare spiritually. We try to get the things lined up, whether it's music that talks about scripture whether it's books, whether it's a little Bible, or whether it's whatever reading we can do to help prepare them, we prepare mentally, spiritually, and physically. But if we look at the Christmas season, we don't do that. See, the Christmas season is the exact same idea in which we're coming together. We prepare physically. Look around. We have decorations put up. We have things ready. We've got Christmas trees and lights and stars and pretty flowers and decorations all throughout our house and the little pillows and everything. We prepare physically. 
We prepare mentally. We have music playing. We talk about it. We get presents. We think about how we can care and love and take care of our family and show them that love through gifts. But I'll be honest, and and the reason why I ask this, because I fall prey to this, is how often do we actually prepare spiritually? How often do we actually prepare for the celebration of Jesus' coming? Because I think that's something that we so often forget over and over. We forget the fact that, yeah, Jesus, the whole purpose of Christmas is Jesus is coming. Yes, we get that, but what does that mean? Uh, I want us to take a look at a few different things. I tried to do uh, to where they can all have the same letter because that helps me remember. I couldn't quite figure it out, but here's what we've got. So we'll walk through three areas of the idea of peace. One is the search of peace, the symbol of a peace, and then the preparation of peace. I know it's not three yeses, but that's okay. You can follow along still. I want us to look at the search of peace, the symbol of peace, and then the preparation of peace. Looking at back into the lives of the Israelites, throughout their entire history, they have been promised of this coming seed, this coming Savior, this coming Messiah. All throughout the Torah, over and over and over again, talks about God's deliverance to his people. And he shows glimpses of what that looks like. He shows ideas of what that looks like. Look at Egypt and how God saves the people of Israel out of the hands of Egyptians, but they still sin. How God saves them by the hand of Goliath, by providing a warrior to stand before the people of Israel, King David, not king at that time, but they still sin. By bringing them into exile and the fact that they are longing for salvation, longing for deliverance to be a people, and yet they still sin. Over and over, God is showing them a sense of deliverance, but doesn't give them the full picture. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, what's happened is the fact that people are looking for this idea of peace. People are looking for this idea of, of complete wholeness, and in that they've forgotten. So God sends them prophets. God sends them men of God to declare the word of God to his people so that they may be reminded the promises of God. And one of those promises is Isaiah chapter 9. It says it's a very common verse that we read all the time throughout the Christmas season. It's chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son, of, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and the name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's another reminder because the people forgot. They're searching for this means of peace. They're, they're trying to look in different areas, and yet they have lost hope like what was talked about last week. But God gives them a new, renewed hope. And he says, hey, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, this is God's reminder to his people. They're in the midst of exile in the moment. They have been captured by an enemy, enemy country. They are slaves to this country. And they are now sitting and working or uh, no longer have an identity of their own. And yet God says, remember, I have something for you. I have, I, I, I have a deliverance for you. It's coming. Remember. In Micah chapter 5, it says the same thing again. He says, oh, but, uh, but you, oh, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And he's talking to a particular people, particular area. We know Bethlehem is a city. Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who shall be a ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and they shall stand and, shepherd, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Again, God gives his people a reminder of what he is doing. And what do reminders do for us? The whole point of a reminder is for us to remember the different things. But take a step back and think about that for a second. If a reminder is to help us remember, what does that mean? I remember when I was in elementary school growing up, I, I was never good at English. I was never good at grammar. Um, that's where my wife really helps with her English teaching skills. But in that, I remember growing up, they always said, you cannot define a word with the word, right? You can't define the word with itself because that just nullifies its meaning. It just doesn't make sense. And so when we stop and even think about these four words, I want us to take a second and think, what's their definition? Well, last week, hopefully you remember the definition and idea of hope. It's this sense of anticipation. It's what was talked about last week. But what's the definition of peace? What's the definition of joy? What's the definition of love? Like, think about love for a second. Love's kind of a little bit more conceptual, a little bit one that we use more often, but it's this whole fact that it's like, well, love is just me getting to love somebody, right? No, no, no. <laughs> you can't use the word to define the word. So the same idea is what is peace. See, each of these four concepts, the reason why Advent is the way it is is so that they're a reminder for us to what to prepare for. We become so familiar with these words that we actually lose the true meaning of them. We actually lose the true idea of what they embody. Take peace, because that's our focus today. Peace often we look at and ask and say, okay, peace is not what? Peace is not war. And so many might think peace is just the absence of war. And to some degree, you're right. But peace means a lot more than that, especially scripturally. Peace does have this idea where there is no conflict. There is no war. But if you'd actually step back and think about it, 
The absence of war, the absence of conflict is a result of what peace really means. See, in a, a biblical sense, in a, uh, if you look at the original words, even though I'm not good at English, I love languages, which doesn't make sense, but hold on. Uh, if you look at the original languages of what the Hebrews say and what the Greeks say in regards to the original words, the idea of peace actually means to be whole to be made whole. This whole fact is like, if you look in this time, a brick, a stone brick, something uh, that builders would use to make buildings, they would say it would be at peace if there are zero cracks in it. If there's nothing wrong in the sense that it was perfectly whole, it's at peace. They said in biblical concepts of when the temple was finished or when a wall is finished, when all the pieces fit together, when the last piece is put in, there are no holes, cracks, or blemishes. It's at peace. So if this concept of peace is this idea to be made whole, to be restored, it's a complex combination of everything fitting together. That's what peace means. So now if we think of that in light of war and in light of conflict, then that means the result of it, the result of peace means no war. When everything is put together, when two parties would fight each other, yes, they would make an agreement, but oftentimes they would have a, an exchange to make things whole once again. Now look at that in light of what has been prophesied in the Old Testament. See, the people are looking for this idea of peace. Even throughout, uh, throughout the time of the prophets, there's these uh, enemies that have come and have captured them. And yeah, sure, there is no war, but there is no peace. Why? Because the people aren't whole. The people aren't in their own identity of who they are and worshiping God freely. Again, in Luke chapter 2, we get to flip over and turn to that here in a minute. We won't read it quite yet, but we'll get to see even in the concept of when that occurs, who's in control? Rome, right? Rome is overseeing all of the country of Israel, all the people of Israel. And at this point, there is a time of peace. It's what's known as Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome during this time. There is no war, but the people are not at peace. And so throughout all their history, they're looking and looking and looking and looking, and they're trying to find peace. And then in one moment, God says, let me remind you once again. In Luke chapter 2, which is uh, a common story through the, through the Christmas story, he's, we get to see in 2 verse 8, and says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, 
peace among those whom he is pleased. See, in this moment, God has been working together to put uh, his plan in path so that his son may come to this world. Right before this passage is the, is the, is the passage of Jesus being born in the nature and everything leading up to that, God is providing a reminder for his people of his deliverance. And now it is here. These shepherds, think about them for a second. They're out in the middle of the field taking care of their sheep. They're taking care of their livelihood, knowing that many of them might be used for a sacrifice. And the people of Israel are constantly in search of finding the Messiah, of looking to when he comes. And now he's here. And see, if you remember back in Isaiah and Micah, all of these passages point to Jesus being Peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's being made whole. Jesus' whole purpose on earth was to seek and save the lost. His whole purpose is so, as he says, hey, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as this world gives. Do I give unto you. Therefore, let your heart not be troubled, nor let it be afraid. John chapter 14. So the whole point of peace is the fact that Jesus has come to restore his people before God because they forgot. And how often in us, in our Christmas season, do we forget the true meaning of Christmas? Like, think about it for a second with the idea of Charlie Brown, the iconic show that is said, and Charlie Brown just screams, doesn't anybody know what Christmas is all about? And then Linus comes over and says, I do. And he reads this passage. And he reads, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will be, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. See, all throughout history, people are searching for peace when the symbol of peace appears. That's Jesus. Remember, in the time in which we get to now gather together with family, in the time in which we get to celebrate, the symbol of peace is Christ. And that's something we should never forget. But why do we? It's because so much of our life gets caught up in so many different things. Even this morning as I'm prepping and reading and prepping for this sermon, my heart is going everywhere. And I have to stop and say, God, I have to be reminded of you. I have to look back to you and say the whole purpose of this right now is to glorify and worship you. And if I forget that, this, this message means nothing. But the whole purpose of peace is to be made new and restore and bring the people under him. That's, the, the, that's what we then get to live out. If, if, if we're searching for it, if we're looking for it in so many different areas, then we won't find it for what it is. Because that's why Jesus says, not as this world gives do I give to you. 
So often in our lives, we try to find peace in so many other things. We try to find peace in our job. We try to find peace in our relationships. We try to find peace in our money and our security. We try to find peace in so many different things when he reminds us is, hey, look at me. I'm your peace. Micah 5 talks back to that and says, hey, in uh, Michael 5, verse 4, he says, it prophesies that Jesus, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So why do we keep looking? It's because we forgot. We forgot what the true meaning of what it is. I forgot the true meaning of why we're here. And so we're looking for this. We're searching out for peace. We even come across and see the symbol of peace. But then what do we do? We prepare. Right? That's what's next. We, we now get to walk in the preparation of peace. We get to get things ready. As we get to come to December 25th and the, the celebration of Christmas Day itself, we have prepared, what, maybe even all year long for the coming of Christ. Because what, what, do, the, what do the shepherds do? In, in Luke chapter 2, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made us known. They draw away with confidence that what God had shown them and reminded them will happen. And in that which, he, uh, in which the Lord has made known to us, and they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And I wish we in some ways would respond in the same way, right? That when we're reminded by similar things that we with haste get to go and fulfill it. With haste get to go and tell others. With haste get to see its fulfillment. What God has promised to us is that Jesus is coming again. But we forget. And so us with haste prepare for it. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising God for all that they had heard and seen and had been told them. Their response was worship. And their response was sharing and so as we even now in our time, as we get to close up this morning, as we get to look to worship and as we get to carry out this Christmas season, my heart and my prayer is that we prepare our hearts for what God's peace did in our life so that others too can experience that. The whole purpose of God coming is so that he can seek and save the lost so that others may be made like him in Philippians chapter two. It says that have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ's whole purpose of coming was to die on a cross. And that death on a cross restored our relationship with God because we were transfixed by sin. We were broken by sin. And the whole purpose for Jesus' coming was so that we can be made new to him.
The whole purpose for Jesus' coming is so that we can be at peace with God. And that's what we get to celebrate. But please don't just celebrate it. Share it. Tell other people about it. Because that's the whole reason of what our responsibility is now. We get to glorify God by sharing it with others. That's how we prepare physically. We have these decorations up. We have a star or an angel or a bow often on top of our tree to be images of what's the true meaning behind it. We have nativity signs set up across our house in front of our lawns, whatever the case, so we can declare to others what the true meaning of Christmas is. So that as Charlie Brown doesn't stand in the corner of a stage and says, does anyone know what it's all about? You get to have the opportunity to tell that to others. The true meaning is Jesus. And he's given us his peace to fulfill that. As a Christian. And so I'll be honest and ask, if you don't know what that looks like, trust me, there are many here who will love to tell you. I would, Pastor Brian, Pastor Walter, their wives, others, the church leadership here. If you're a Christian, you're like, why is my life a mess? Why do I go from one thing to the next and try to put this together and try to put that together and try to make this list and try to do this job and try to fulfill this and try to get there and try to go to the... Take a step and stop and be reminded of who Jesus is and be reminded of what he has done. Because in Romans chapter 8, because as Christians, if we, if we live in this mindset, being fixated on the world around us, he says in Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. If we think about our jobs, if we try to find peace in our work, if we try to find peace in our family, if we try to find peace in the decorations or in the beauty of our house or whatever the case may be, it's death. But to set our mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What is the, what is the meaning of Christmas? What is the true reason for why we worship and why we celebrate? The angels get to proclaim, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Let us pray. So Lord, as we come to worship you, as we come to uh, sing forth the name of, that is above every name, as we come to uh, focus our minds back onto the true meaning of Christmas, I pray that we would have our focus on you. That we look to you and you alone, that even as you said in John, that you give us peace, uh, not as the world gives, do you give. Therefore, let our hearts not be troubled, nor let it be afraid. 
I ask that we live that out. And I ask that we get to share that among others so that they too may know of God's peace in their lives. And so in that, Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for the people here that they will get to live out the truth of the gospel through the celebration of Christmas. And so that in that, we get to worship you together. In your name we pray. Amen.